So uh, I got into marketing basically right out of uh, high school, if you will. There's a wow. yeah, there, there was a like, a like an apprenticeship that I did in an advertising agency. And I thought back then it was all like glossy, flashy uh, business to be in. Uh, I then figured out quite uh, fairly soon that uh, there's more of a number side in me than the creative side, really, uh, which then drove me to media. Podcast season three. I'm your host Adrian, and today we're extremely honored to be joined by Herman Hasenstein, who is the senior head of marketing from Puma. So, how are you doing, Herman? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Adrian. So, you know, when a, pe- when a lot of people hear about Puma, they immediately get excited because it's one of the best um, brands there are, you know, in the world. Um, and with you being in such a high level position in marketing, I guess a lot of our listeners are dying to hear from you about any particular marketing insights you've got. But before we do this, can you tell us a little bit about your career? So how you got into marketing and how you got to where you are? So uh, I got into marketing basically right out of uh, high school, if you will. There's a, wow. yeah, there, there was a, like, a, like an apprenticeship that I did in an advertising agency and I thought back then it was all like glossy, flashy uh, business to be in. Uh, I then figured out quite uh, fairly soon that uh, there's more of a number side in me than the creative side, really, uh, which then drove me to media planning and, and buying. And this is where I basically started my career uh, after my, my university. Um, and after that, it, it was more of uh, trying to combine passion with something that will actually pay you well right um and that is well media on the one hand side is great but then on the other hand side well what clients are there out there that are really really um appealing to me that i can identify with and actually ultimately motivate me and that was back then for the world cup 2006 adidas uh, when we did, uh, when we had the World Cup in, in Germany, and me on a media agency side, we took care of the so-called spectaculars for Adidas, uh, which was the goalkeeper diving over the outer bar <laughs> and uh, the the fresco in the uh, in the train station Cologne and all the um, skyscraper wrappings in Frankfurt and, and Hamburg, and that was really something that I thought, wow, like really working for a sports brand is quite something. I mean. Having them as a client is one thing, right? But then ultimately, I thought, well, being on the brand side, uh, that's even probably better. So after a short stint in, in New York, where I had Samsung as a client, again, me being in a media agency, uh, then I had a job offer as head of media at Puma uh, here in Boston. And that was would be uh, basically taking care of uh, yeah all of the, the global media strategy and, and planning and buying as far as we could do it for actually for all the 45 entities globally. Um, but uh, it was more of a coordination and administrative role with um, a brand that I, as you said, like, I think is very, very exciting, always does cool stuff, uh, is not necessarily uh, the market leader in all the markets, only a few markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, still we good are, enough, right? Still we, good we enough. Are a chal- we are a challenger brand and we like mm-hmm. this position. 
and uh, see it as a, as a yeah opportunity. So before talking about Puma, let's just rewind a little bit to talk about your experience in Germany. So how how different is it working in Germany compared to the US, you think? That, that's a great question. Um, ultimately, I would say it's not that much different. I, what, what I do enjoy working in, in the US is a positive mindset. Mm. It's a can-do attitude that doesn't really account for everyone and every team member but i think it's generally something that is expected from you that you come to work with a positive note and um yeah you roll up your sleeves you're ultimately responsible for what you're doing and you're expected to take accountability and i'm not saying that it's not necessarily like that in germany but i think it's not as prevalent Mm-hmm. So, um, well, well, I think you know Germans are known for being really practical, right? So Americans obviously they they get this, they have this side of it, but you're saying that you know American mindset might be even more positive, it, right? That, that's a to, great point. That's a great yeah. point, Adrian. Maybe it's that that um, Germans are practical and therefore sort of efficient. They would yep. technically stop when something doesn't make sense anymore. And you know, while maybe Americans are just more on the side of, well, what's the effect? And so they put more into it and, and expect a bigger effect to a degree where you already maybe hit a curve of, of saturation there. Um, so uh, that, that, that's maybe efficiency versus effectivity. So if, if it makes sense, right? Um, mm-hmm. So so that's maybe one of the difference. I think uh, ultimately the work-life balance is something that I think Americans still have to figure out uh, versus Germans who are very, very good at protecting themselves, shielding mm-hmm. them off uh, mm-hmm. from too much work. And here's... That, that fits uh, the stereotype, I guess. Five, maybe. <laughs> 5 p.m. <laughs> I'm not going to respond to emails. I'm exaggerating to make a point, right? Mm-hmm. And especially when you're at a more senior level. Yes, there's emails around the clock. There's calls around the clock, especially the global capacity. Uh, but this is something where uh, the weekends are the weekends and uh, you don't necessarily work at the weekends. While in, in, in the U.S., I feel there's more of an expectation that no, this is uh, you, you. You're going to be available, and uh, so you expect it to to basically. That's a bit similar to the Asian mindset, I think. In a lot of Asian countries, like Hong Kong, which is where I'm from, you know, your boss expects you to still be working on holidays. Which I'm not saying is a good mindset, but a bit similar to um, American values, I think. I I would agree with that, and I'm I'm not. I don't think. Or let me put it this way. What I hear from Asia, and especially like Korea, Japan, and then to agree, of course, also China, um, it, it is, has almost reached in sort of unhealthy areas, right? Yeah. Um, where everyone is sort of uh, putting them themselves uh, into a uh, into a position where it's for the greater good, and mm-hmm. and you have to deliver for the company's good. While maybe in America, it's more for yourself and for yeah. your personal wealth and for your personal success. Um, mm. So I think there is a slight uh, variance to that. Uh, that being said, maybe the effect is the same. And that is uh, that basically, uh, other than just uh, uh, working and schlepping the kids mm. to sports and school events, etc. Uh, yeah. There's much time for yourself. And that I feel Western European, maybe in particular German, uh, people have figured out that they there's always some time built in for hobbies and <laughs> meeting yeah. friends. 
hanging out outside at bars or beer gardens, you know? So, you know, before you went to the States for your job in Puma, have you, you know, been to the States for travel? And when you had this opportunity to go to the States to work full time, what's your initial uh, reaction to it? So I, I think it's sort of slightly biased. So first of all, I'm I'm married to an American citizen. So okay, that explains she it. Then came over to Hamburg when I was working at a at the media agency and experienced firsthand what it was to to live in Germany or in Western Europe. And uh, so we basically made the shift because there was parental leave and we weren't really jumping into the cold water. Rather than it was like, well, let's see if we can find jobs there and. The the my first experience being hired or like working in the US was at a media agency for a client uh, that actually was from Korea, Samsung, right? Mm -hmm. And that was exactly what I just described. So it, it was uh, working around the clock. So you got up early in the morning. You weren't really sure if you had a conference call at six a.m. or not. And then at eleven p.m., twelve p.m. or twelve a.m. rather, uh, there were still conference calls, and it's of course a different time zone, but it was also the the expectations from the client in Korea that uh, you would of course be available as a in a global yeah. own team, you know. So that that and, was and especially if they are Samsung, right? You you can't you know <laughs> um, do something that's not up to standard with such a big client, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. They had different standards, I would say, from the clients that I used to work for before, which were Western European brands. It's not just Adidas, mm -hmm. Reebok, but also Philips Consumer Electronics. So it was sort of comparable, right? Um, but yeah, they they had entirely different uh, expectations and standards, to be honest. I see. So I guess you know, being married to an American um, lady uh, would be a lot easier for you to then, you know, move to the States with her. So, you know, after moving to the States, um, how was it like, you know, staying with Puma and what made you stay with Puma for such a long time? Well, um, so I, I actually got the job at Puma in the US. So I've never yeah. had a chance to compare how it was to work for Puma in the headquarters back in Bavaria versus uh, here in the international marketing department. What ultimately I really, really enjoyed uh, while having my, my first job on the brand side, the client side, as I call it, still from the media agency mindset, uh, is, is the, the yeah, degree of freedom that, that we have uh, almost like as long as it makes sense, do your thing, right? If yeah. it's something that uh, is good for the brand, uh, then try to be scrappy about the resources that you that you take, uh, put all in that, that you have for this project that you're after, and and then make a proof of concept and ultimately it will roll out on a, you can roll out on a, on a global level, right? So these opportunities, apart from my role responsibility for global media and then later uh, global budget management, which was a little bit like a blueprint that I was able to maybe um, interpret and and then in, in, in my own way and maybe even build out in my own way. But when it comes to, let's say, market analytics or consumer insights, these were things that were absolutely not thought about at Puma as something that's needed, neither on a local nor on a central level. And... I was always wondering, like, this is crazy. This is something that we absolutely need to, to do in order to be somewhat future-proof. 
and uh, nobody said no here it's just the mindset wasn't there that this is something that we really should put a lot of resource in there's no just like you go herman march on and let's see where it takes us and so now we have a team taking care of it and there's tools and processes in place now we have a new ceo a new marketing director and of course their expectations are where is consumer insights where is the marketing analytics and we are able to provide this now in a more or less organized manner uh, that actually follows some certain standard procedures and processes and is totally up to par with the market and the industry. So I guess I guess a lot of our listeners and candidates would like to understand how your work directly impacts the, the brand image of Puma because a lot of people are fascinated by how brands can become the best in the world, right? There are so many other fashion brands, so many other retail brands. What do you think is, if you have any, um, the secret sauce or secret re recipe that you know propelled Puma to one of the best friends in the world, and how are you involved with it? I, I guess it's a very good question because I'm wondering, being more on the operational side of things, of course I would question my own contribution to and how far the brand is getting more appealing or relevant to the consumer. Right? I would say though that my job is to help decision makers and also ultimately the creative to make informed decisions and not just based on gut feelings which in the past turned out to be either right or wrong for example like a rihanna collab back in 2014-15 i don't think you can really root it in consumer insights and then say well are now plateau shoes a big thing, you know, the Rana Creeper shoe. And uh, even designers would probably not even uh, like let us help them with the way in terms of, well, what does consumer expect now? Well, the designers are always thinking about what consumers expect in 18 months or two years time, right? So that's some, we can argue about artificial intelligence and if this is something that can be extrapolated. That being said, uh, with the brand tracker that we have in place, with the market analytics, how to uh, plan and repeat success, there is a lot of, you call it the, 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 the secret sauce. There is um, now a formula, if you will, where we can tell the countries and therefore ultimately also the other part of my job, the budget steering, strategic budget investment, where to strategically invest versus where not to invest. Do we need to have more um signings in, with soccer players versus uh, more ambassador signings you know um or lifestyle sponsorship etc so th these are things where i think yeah we can help turning the, the right screws push the right buttons and that's ultimately where i see my responsibility and and as a senior head of market operations you know so um in terms of working for puma a lot of people would like obviously to work for puma but what are the core values of working for Puma and what are the kind of people you're looking for, you think? I think it's it's basically not necessarily referring to core values at Puma, more like the result of the core values are, um, well, you got to be passionate about it. Yeah, it's you got to be, as I said earlier, you got to be scrappy about uh, your resources. There's always there's always too many jobs for not enough people right and being a challenger brand it's not like we're not nike we cannot hire a huge team 
mm-hmm. to to throw at every problem, right? So we have to, yeah, look at it in like a humble way and 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 being very nimble about the the way we approach yeah. it and how we solve it. So is you have to have you got to be passionate about it. You have to have some sort of uh, a spirit that is almost like an entrepreneurial uh, attitude within a company that some people would still describe as like, oh, that's a big tanker. Mm-hmm. But when you compare it to a company like Nike or Adidas, God, no, we are absolutely we are we are able to turn on the dime and really shift resources uh, easily, which also at COVID has helped us. You know, so we were able to uh, cut marketing budget left and right and put it all into to DTC channels and e-com uh, in a, at a much faster pace than our competitors uh, could do, you know. So yes. the, the passion, the self-entrepreneur, and I think uh, you got to be a nice person <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, there's really, uh, it's, it's the atmosphere at Puma. We always, maybe if you saw the town halls and the quarter results, the 75th birthday videos right now, we're we're family. So we call it the we pride ourselves being a Puma family. Yeah. And that really is something where in the media agency world is fine. You celebrate together, you go to the uh, pub in London afterwards, right? And it's all mm-hmm. great. Uh when it comes to brand side, the client side, it's not I, I would say it's not really expected uh that you hang out with your colleagues all the time. But at Puma, that's ultimately what, what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's we're a relatively young crowd, I would say, and uh, bringing in everybody to not just the uh, celebrations, but actually, yeah, having fun at work with each mm-hmm. other. Uh, that is, I think, absolutely is paramount. Yeah, I think that's a well, a great prerequisite, you know, for a company to attract the best talent. And you know, aside from all these um great things that you get working at Puma like hang out, hanging out as a big family and all these learning opportunities um how would you say you guys contribute to society like what's the greater meaning in working for such a large brand that's a very good question because you're you're getting at the ikigai like what's your uh, what you get paid for, right? Uh, what, yeah. what you're good at, what you love to do, and what's actually good for society. Yeah. Um, then the 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 sweet spot would be your ikigai, which is um, something that I need to question to a certain degree because when you ultimately produce something, and shoes, apparel, fitness apparel is uh, yes, it needs to be produced. It probably has an impact on the environment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's really. You want to minimize that impact, I think. And this is something that uh, with the, our sustainability approach at Puma, something we are absolutely look after right now. So I'm not necessarily saying that apart from providing sports, fitness apparel for people who want to be active or stylish, but we, I think, are really focusing also on people who actually like to do sports and soccer, run, train, basketball, uh, you name it. Um that's the one thing we want to incentivize people to do sports, of course, be living a healthy lifestyle. On the other hand, yes, we do know that the production of these uh, goods has an impact. And we are absolutely more on a, on a faster track, like say, in minimizing this impact than our competition. Mm. There's, a yeah, big, I... there's a big program that you can see online, uh, yeah. 10 out of 10. Uh, and we are exceeding regularly 
our um, own goals in uh, making this brand a more sustainable brand. And that's not even mm. greenwashing. I think we are absolutely conscious of the impact that we have. It's just going forward, and especially when you look at the consumer that is more conscious of, of uh, this, you just have to be mindful and do everything you can in order to minimize this impact. And that I think uh, we do that. And that's what I'm very, very proud of. And when you look at the Ikigai, what I say like, oh, is it good for the environment or is it good for the greater good and, and the society? What's your net impact on that? You know, and for Puma, I couldn't really say, but I think if you replace that in the Ikigai, uh, uh, the, the four pillars, uh, if you replace something that, well, do you identify with this? Are you proud of it? That I think is something that I can say absolutely yes so mm -hmm. there's nothing that i need to be embarrassed about you know well and, that's good uh, that's good no no exactly i mean if, if you work for big oil or if you work for tobacco and alcohol whatever it's like well what's there you know so i think right now yes this is ultimately for me the way i would sort of slightly adjust the ikigai and say like okay are you motivated are you embarrassed uh, about your, your employers and no absolutely i not. see I'm fascinated by um, how you view your competitors because this came up this came up uh, quite a few times um, just now in, in our interview. So you talked a little bit about Adidas and Nike. How would you compare you guys to them? What's um, what kind of things that you think you're better than them, and what are the things that you think you need to try and catch up to hopefully overtake them? Well, I think the the, the one thing that um... I guess we can do better than them is what I said earlier. It's like, I think we're much more nimble. We can react much faster to, yeah. to certain trends and and uh, changes in consumer behavior. That being said, I think where we could do better is actually listening to the consumers, not just uh, uh, rely on our own gut feelings when it comes to designs and trends. Um, but I think, yeah, especially... Well, when you have such a such big companies like Adidas and Nike, I, I think it's very, let's say, easy for them to just, let's say, swamp the market with just marketing money and sign all the, the teams and players, etc. So we have to be uh, very, very, yes, responsible with our limited resources, right? which again, I think makes us, uh, let's say, very, very nimble and say, okay, well, we want to do this, but not necessarily that. We cannot just spray and pray, you know? We mm, really have to of course. Be, be mindful on, on um, where we, uh, what, what nest we put our eggs in. And this is something that I think, yeah, in, in, the, in the midterm, it doesn't really sound now like, like, like a big strategy, right? But yeah. it's something that will always be to our advantage. So especially when it comes to, to clients or let's say the, the the retail, not necessarily the consumer, but the retail and what they demand from us, uh, I think we are in a much better position to, to ultimately um, have them um, yeah, address their needs and do not necessarily need to uh, take care of so much on the, like a big e-com or all of our flagship stores, et cetera, right? No, we can actually go to the to, to the to retail and uh, be again like uh, very adaptive to to their needs. So just lastly, before we end the interview, um, you mentioned earlier in the interview about perhaps in America that people 
work more for themselves, their own reputation. Whilst in Asia, it could be you know, working for the greater good, but the same result is that you work for long hours, right? So for yourself, what's how do you keep yourself motivated? What's the meaning of work aside from um, pay for a paycheck or for your own reputation? I well, first of all, the the, the paycheck and and the ROI, let's say, right? Uh, that I get out of it. I, I think I'm in a very fortunate position that uh, we have flexible work hours. And I think the way you paraphrase what I said earlier sounds rather drastic, like, oh, long hours and everything. No, it's more like um, there's an expectation also that I, I myself have, right? Mm -hmm. um, that I'm not necessarily always available, but I just deliver. Yeah. And this doesn't have to come at like a nine to five or nine to eight or something rather than no it's like i can perfectly balance this with well getting uh, my kids to the doctor or picking them up from school and other what and then add something later as long as the result is there you know mm -hmm. and that is something that i don't know if it's just a puma thing or uh yes i think it ultimately comes with uh that that senior leadership has in you the, the the trust they have in you, right? Yeah. Uh, the freedom they give you. And that, I think, makes it for like a nice, well, I think we can say like work-life balance, even though there mm -hmm. probably is not really uh, such a thing. It's more like, well, you as you said, you, you, you need the money and you need to deliver. Uh, it's more like ideally at your own terms. Mm -hmm. Right? And that is, that, that is what... At Puma right now, after you have you build your network and you 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 have earned the trust, uh, that is something that I right now um, enjoy very much, and that is where I don't really feel ever stressed. Uh, other than yeah, sure, there's a budget presentation for next year, and I have to work twice as hard, you know. So, but is it stress? Uh, no, not necessarily, because I can really pick and choose when to travel, where to go, and 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 uh, um, when to actually. Uh, put my my foot on the gas pedal, right? Yeah. Um, as for uh, the other thing, how I what I do for self branding is uh, right now uh, not much to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think you you called uh, because of the uh, an event, a Reuters event, you know, where ultimately I think once a year I, th I set myself up for or one twice a year. I think it was my goal to get uh, to a conference, maybe even speak at a conference, right? Um, but that's more also like a personal learning curve um, challenge. Get out there, network with people to learn from their experiences. Because I think ultimately when you just talk to your own Puma people, your own agency people, there is the, the risk that you're sort of missing out on, on a lot of things. Um, and that's where in those marketing forums and conferences uh, I, I like to get inspired and I get inspired mm -hmm. easily by because there's so many bright people out there um, it's just mind-boggling to be honest because mm -hmm. you always think like oh sure I figured it all out chances are you haven't <laughs> or I haven't yeah and uh, the, you can learn so much and and uh, that's what I said like the learning curve for me personally it needs to be steep at Puma outside Puma so I need I need the stimulus from outside and it's not as much self branding other than uh, that that I really want to be inspired and yeah learn more. There's so much more to learn. 
Well, you know, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Herman. Um, I wish, you know, I could uh, invite you in at another time to our podcast.